You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Uh, yesterday was uh, my wedding anniversary. Our wedding anniversary, we've been married 11 years. Let's have a round of applause for Emily. Well done, Emily. Can you imagine what she has to go through every day of her life? It's quite something. And today we're going to talk about love. Today we're going to look at, um, uh, from, from John's letter, first letter about love. And uh, she's taught me everything she knows, and she knows a lot about it, so we're going to be okay. Um, right, so let's look at this letter. We're going to look at 1 John 4, from verse 13. It says this, This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Here in this uh, letter, John makes this bold and huge statement about God. He says, God is love. God is love. This God who you know, this God who you've experienced, this God who made the world, his nature, his character. You can't sum it up in one word because he's so big and enormous. But if you could, it would be this. He is love. He is love. And he made us to love. He made us in his image to love. The word of God, the Bible, is calling us to love as we were made to. And throughout the Bible, it teaches us how to love. It's, it's concerned, you know, the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of Paul, the teachings of the New Testament. And throughout the Old Testament, too, we're really concerned with how we love. The Bible teaches us how to love our wives And our husbands, it teaches us how to love our children. The Bible teaches us how to love our parents. The Bible teaches us how to love other believers. It teaches us how to love those who are lost and don't know him. It teaches us how to love our neighbors, the people that we live near and work with. It teaches us how to love uh, our enemies, those we dislike, those we hate, those we struggle with. It teaches us how to love our leaders And our rulers and our governments, it teaches us how to love the poorest and the broken and the oppressed. It teaches us how to love all of the world. And the Bible is always teaching us how to love. It's it's a theme, a consistent theme, an important theme. And so when we love, when we act like God, when we love, God is love. And when we love, we act like God, yeah? When we love, we act like God. Kinda. Kinda. God doesn't love quite like we love, thankfully. 
Because God loves everyone, everybody. Not one person forgotten, not one person missed out. God loves everyone. And he loves them in a way which is total, complete. He utterly loves every person, utterly loves every person. And that's not how we love. We, we know we should be like that. We know we should love like God loves because we were made to do that. We were made to be like him. And we know this because Jesus says it. And also the Beatles said it. And I have this rule that if Jesus says it and the Beatles said it, it's got to be pretty much right. <laughs> That's kind of true. Um, seriously. No, we, we know we should love everyone, but we can't. We can't. We know it's what we should do. We know it's what we were made for. We know that this is who God is and we want to be like God, but we can't. We can't. We can't. We always mess up. We always fail. We always don't do it. Why can't we love everyone? Why is it? Two fish are swimming along one morning and approaching them comes a turtle. And as the turtle passes them, he says, Hey, fellas, good morning. How's the water? And they look at him kind of funny and swim along. And then one looks to the other and says, what's water? We think, we think, we think we are aware of what's going on around us. We think we understand the world. We think that we have it all worked out about what's going on in the world with everyone. But we don't. We don't know. We are like those fish. We think we know the world we live in, but we don't. When we are in the grocery store, when you're in the grocery store, you get your cart and you start moving around, and sooner or later you come to an aisle where there are some slow, dopey people who are got their cart on one side of the aisle, and then they're standing there in a pair on the other side of the aisle, picking which organic granola bar they're going to buy, and they are oblivious to you being there. Or maybe they're choosing a Pop-Tart, I don't know. But they, they're just oblivious, and they're in your way. And they don't move, they, you know, they're just there, in the way. <laughs> Not doing anything useful to anyone, just in the way. And so you work your way around the, the supermarket, around the grocery store, trying to get through all these dopey people with their carts, which they leave at angles, which clearly implies they have no sense of spatial awareness. <laughs> and then eventually you get to the checkout, and then you get to the checkout, and then the person in front of you, you know, they can't find their card, they can't find their coupon, and so it takes ages, and you're just waiting, and you're waiting, and you've got your smile on your face that says, I don't mind, but you mind. <laughs> you, you, you mind. And, and then the person at the checkout and the checkout assistant start having a conversation, an actual, like, talking words conversation, like... This person doesn't appreciate that that person doing the checkout is not there to talk to. That person is there 
to process my groceries very quickly so I can get on with the very, very important things that I have to do in my life. And then you get in your car, and you get in your car, and you get on the road, and virtually every time you get in the car, there are jack wagons driving next to you, bullying and pushing, and driving in ways that you know are stupid. And we go about our lives... Viewing the world like that. We think we know what, we think we understand, but we don't. We think we know what love is because we read about it in poems and we read about it in books and we hear about it in songs and we see it on movies and on the TV. We think we know what love is, but we don't. We don't know what love is because the people in the store the people on the road, the people at the DMV, the people who click reply all to every single email. Martha. If you feel a conviction of the Holy Spirit, then just accept that. Um, <laughs> the people at the DMV, the people who respond to every single email, reply all. When we come across them and we're frustrated in that moment, these people stop being people to us. They start to become problems and they start to become obstacles. But the thing about that is, is that they aren't obstacles, they aren't problems, they aren't things to be overcome, they are people. People, people, people everywhere. People like you. People who have hopes and dreams. People who have fears and disappointments and grief and troubles. Which might explain why they're walking around in a daze. Why they just want a piece of attention at the checkout. Why they might be a bit grumpy when they serve you in the DMV. Love is not a tap that you can turn on and off. Love is not something where you can say, on, okay, the tap's going to be on. When I'm with my family, love, on, I'm going to love. When I'm with my friends, love, on. When I'm at work with my work colleagues, love, on. And then when I get in my car, love, off. When I get to the store, love, off. When I get to the DMV, love, off. Love is not a tap that you turn on and off. Unlike the fish who don't know... What the water is, we do not fully appreciate the world around us, the pain and the struggles that others face. It is why Jesus tells us, this is why Jesus tells us, love others as you love yourselves. Love others as you love yourselves. With that same level of understanding, that same level of grace, that same permission that you give yourself to be grumpy or impatient or slow. And of course, trying to love the whole world at once, trying to love everybody all the time at once is impossible. It's so hard to do. But what we can do is we can love the very next person we see. We can love the very next person that's in front of us. 
You can only ever love everyone one person at a time. The next person. The next person you have a conversation with. The next person you speak to. Where you listen and you love and you show kindness and grace and patience. And John goes on to say, he says this, this is, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. When I was a teenager, when I was a teenager, I loved to play cricket. And uh, none of you know what cricket is. Um, so you're going to have to concentrate in this analogy. Um, here's a little picture of cricket. Um, so I've come up with a great way of explaining it to you that you understand. Basically, it's a little bit like baseball, but not really. And um, it involves hitting a ball with a bat. And I loved cricket growing up. Um, I loved playing cricket. And um, it's an elegant game of a more civilized age. And I remember, <laughs> I, remember getting, I remember getting my first ever cricket bat, brand new. My first ever cricket bat, absolutely brand new, spotless, flawless, perfect from the shop. But the thing about a cricket bat is, is that it's made from, it's, it's, it's not round like a, a baseball bat, it's like rectangular, like you can see here. And it's, it's not made out of, I think uh, baseball bats made out of ash, they're quite a hard, solid wood. But a cricket bat is made out of willow, and willow is a slightly softer wood. And um, that's because when you play cricket, you need, you need to be able to control the ball, really control where you hit it, and that softness helps that. But when you get a brand new cricket bat, it's like being veneered. It's got like a, a veneer on it. And it's, it's perfect. It's spotless. It's absolutely perfect as it is, yet it's not ready to be played with because it's not soft. It's got that harder veneer. And so when I got my first ever cricket bat, I spent hours with a cricket ball just bouncing, the cricket ball. It's like a leather cricket ball. Up and down, up and down, up and down. Taking hits with it, taking hits with it. To soften this wood. To soften this wood. Because when I got it, it was perfect. It was flawless. But it wasn't ready to be used. It wasn't ready. It wasn't accomplished. It wasn't complete. Have you ever, have you ever bought a brand new pair of leather shoes? And you've got these leather shoes and they are there. They are spotless. They are flawless. They are perfect, but they don't work very well as shoes because they rip your feet apart, right? And one of the basic things about shoes is that they're designed not to rip your feet apart because otherwise you just wouldn't wear shoes because the ground's pretty good at ripping your feet apart. And so you get these shoes and they're not very good at being shoes, which is a problem when you're shoes. And so you get these leather shoes and they're hard and they rip your feet open, but the only way that they get to the point where they can be used, they can be ready, when they are accomplished for the thing that they were made to do, is by using them, is by wearing them, is by them being active. It's the same with a cricket bat. John, here. Let's go back to the verse. This is how love is made complete among us. 
so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. God's love in you is already complete. What Jesus did is already complete. You stand before God as spotless and perfect. When God looks at you, if you're a believer, he looks at you and he sees you and he sees that you are spotless because you are covered and clothed in righteousness. You stand before God perfect and complete, but you are not accomplished. You are not finished. You are flawless, but you are not finished. And this is what John is trying to tell us here. John seems to have two objectives in this part of the the verse. The first is this. The first is that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, that we would be filled with confidence. And the second is that we would be empty of fear. How does loving others give us confidence? The perfect love that John is talking about here is a love that is active. How is love made complete? In this world, we are like Jesus. It is a love that is active. Why does loving others give us confidence? How does loving others give us confidence before God? And we say here a lot, one of the things we say here a lot is that God is more concerned with who we are than what we do, right? God is more concerned with who you are than what you do. Yes? Yes, we do. Yes, we do so. That's the right answer. He is more interested in our hearts. And as our hearts become transformed by his love, we begin to be like him and do the things he did. He is most concerned with who we are. Why? Because the things we do will pass and be gone, but who we are will last forever. Right? The things we do will pass, but who we are will last forever. And what will we be doing forever? What will we be doing forever? We will be worshipping. We will be praising. We will be exalting. We will be glorifying him. We will be loving him forever. And why does loving others now, why does loving other people now give us confidence before the throne, before the throne of judgment? Because, it incre- as, because as our capacity to love here increases, to love mere humans who are but the image of God, so our capacity increases to love God and love him forever. As we grow in love here, we are being prepared for the thing we will do forever, which is to love him. As we grow in love, as our capacity to love others here grows, so our capacity to love him forever grows. He is preparing us for himself He is preparing us for an eternity of loving him and worshipping him. This is how love is made complete among us. In this world we are like Jesus so that we would have confidence on the day of judgment. That's the first thing John wants us to get. The second thing he wants us to get is this. How does loving others, how is it that when we love other people, how does that drive out fear? How is this perfect love, a love that is active, 
drive out fear. And often when we take this verse, we take this verse a lot where it says, um, perfect love drives out fear, perfect love casts out fear. And often what we think it means, often what we think it means is this, is that what I have to do is I have to wait and I receive God's perfect love and then every fear leaves and I am fearless. Yes? That's kind of what we think that verse means. That's often how we talk, when we talk about this verse, that's often what we think. We receive perfect love, God's perfect love, and then the fear leaves and we are fearless. That's kind of how we think it works. But that's probably not what you've experienced. What John is saying here, what he means by perfect love that casts out fear, is not that we wait for a download of love that makes us fearless. For John, perfect love is perfected love. Perfect love is accomplished love. Perfect love is complete, finished love. It is the love of God that has been given to us and becomes active it's not that we just receive this love and then we are fearless. It's we receive this love and as that love becomes active in us, as we then go and love others, then the fear leaves. We don't wait until we're fearless before we act. It is in the act itself that we become fearless, that fear leaves, that fear is cast out. Think of something. Think of something that you did and before you did it, it seemed incredibly frightening. Maybe it was a bungee jump or a parachute jump or maybe it was, maybe it was asking someone out, someone you really liked. You really liked them and you had no idea if they liked you and you, took, you, know, you had all that fear, you had all that fear inside of you and you took that first step and you asked them out on a date. Did you wait until you were fearless until you did it? No. In fact, you were probably at your most fearful the moment before you did it. When did the fear leave? When did the fear leave? The moment it was done. That's when the fear leaves, the moment it was done. I remember being at summer camp when I was about 10 or 11 years old, and we were at the summer camp, and we went to a water park. And we went to this water park, and uh, as water parks do, they have huge slides, huge water slides. And... Um, I remember being 10 or 11 years old and I'd never been on a huge water slide. It was like, you know, a, a thousand feet tall. I don't know. Um, I was pretty short, so it probably relatively was a thousand feet tall. Anyway, so this huge water slide and I remember, you know, there was a line all the way down this huge slide and I'm up the whole time, you know, up a step, up a step, waiting for everyone, seeing everyone fall down. You know, no, no one's dying, but that doesn't comfort me. You know, I, th- hundreds of people go down and no one's dying but still I, I'm frightened and so you go up step by step and the fear builds the fear builds the fear builds I'm like 10 or 11 years old never done anything like this and I get to the top and you get to the top and you see all the line of people waiting and you know that you can't go back because you know that's just not an option you're going to have to go down you're going to have to go down and at the point of knowing that you're going to have to go down you fear the most fear but then the moment you leave the exhilaration comes and the fear leaves. And once you've done it once, 
you know, if you've got kids or you remember doing this as a kid, you just then can't stop them doing it again, right? They're just doing it again and again and again because there is no fear anymore. There's no fear anymore. But the fear left, not before I left, the fear left as I fell, as I pushed myself off, as I made the step. It was when it was done, that's when the fear left. Our fears about loving people leave when, our f- when the love becomes active. We do not wait to become utterly fearless before we act in love, before we love others. No, it is in the act of loving itself that fear leaves. And as we know, we know that loving, loving people is hard. Loving people is hard. Listening to people is far more tiring than talking, right? Have you ever had to listen to people and all their problems and all their things and all their opinions, stupid opinions that they have? You know, have you listened? You know, listening to people is far harder than talking. Being patient is far harder than not being patient. Being kind is far harder than not being kind. Being gracious and loving is far harder than not. And this is why John tells us that first we need to be living in God. We need to be abiding in God. We need to be living in Him. We need to be first in connection and intimacy with God. And John reminds us of this again in this last line of these verses where it says, we love because he first loved us. It always begins with his love for us. It always begins with his love for us. Knowing first, us knowing, 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 first his deep and abiding love is the only way that we are able to love others. Knowing first his love for us, knowing first what Jesus did, knowing first that we were made perfectly, that before we were born, we were knit together in the womb, that he sees us and knows us and made us and loves us and saw us when we were at our worst and saw us when we were in the pit and saw us when we were far away and did everything he could, including dying, to bring us back. We need to know We need to know that he loves us. It's the only way. Otherwise, love is exhausting. Love is absolutely exhausting. And if you do not love from that place of being filled by him, that place of living in him, of living in him and he in you, as John talks about here, then you will exhaust yourself and you will tire yourself and you'll do it out of routine or obedience or duty, or because this is what you should do. And whenever you try and love like that, you, it runs out. It dries up. You will get tired. You will get frustrated. You will get impatient. You will get frustrated and not love and be selfish. In order for us, in order for us, to love, in order for us to be like Jesus, in order for this love to become perfect in us as it is shared with everyone, we need to be filled with his love first of all. Filled and continually filled. If we are to be overflowing in love, 
And I use this picture in the summer. If we are to be overflowing with love, if we are to be overflowing with his spirit, we need to be continually and constantly filled with his love and with his spirit. Filled to overflowing, filled to overflowing. And then as we pour it out, as we love others from this place of being filled with love, then we get filled again. As it overflows and we begin to empty out, we get filled again. Filled with his love again. You have to keep drinking from the well. You have to keep coming to the river of life. You have to. Otherwise you will dry up, you will burn up. You won't love. You won't love. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. You have to come to him first. We love because he first loved us. And what I want us to do this morning is that I want us to pray again. I want us to receive again that we are to be filled with God's love and filled with his spirit. So that, that his love may be activated in us. That we would go about our lives, that the very next person we would meet and, meet, and the person after that, and the person after that, and the person after that, we would love, and we would love them perfectly. We would love them patiently. We would love them as we were made to love them. Why don't we stand?